to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. We are here today with our guest, Lisa Zeeval, popularly known as LZ, on this podcast, Freshly Forever. She is the COO and CFO of one of the largest remote staffing companies in the U.S., Lisa adorns many feathers, and uh, the next one being she's the co-host of a thriving podcast, One Next Step. She's a TEDx speaker. She's married to her wonderful husband for 25 years now and is mother of two young adults, a son and a daughter. Lisa loves gardening, traveling, and in general, believes in sprinkling goodness all around her. Welcome, Lisa, to the show, and I am so excited to have you here with me today. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm super excited. Awesome. Um, We all know you're a very successful business executive now. However, something that transpired when you were very young kind of set the stage for what you are today. Why don't we start there? I know you have a story to share. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Really, for me, you know, I grew up in an environment with a lot of adversity. So I did not grow up with that uh, quintessential kind of silver spoon. Um, I grew up very poor, um, did not have the luxury of an education. My parents did the very best. Um, They're awesome parents. I love them greatly. But, you know, they also did not have the, um, the most resources for their upbringing as well. And so when you look at the statistics, everything was kind of stacked against me that I really wouldn't accomplish much in life. I'd have a good mediocre life, but probably not ever reach uh, the pinnacle of success. Um, But my mom happened to work for a luxury men's clothing store. She was a part-time bookkeeper for them. And uh, I would get to go, I'm an only child. And so there's some luxuries that come with being only a child. You kind of tag along, you know, with your parents, wherever they go. And I learned early off how to have good manners and be quiet and all those things. And so I would get to go to work with her and uh, really started to see this whole other environment and this whole other world where people didn't live like we did. They talked about second homes and luxury vacations. You know, my vacations were going to visit family members, you know, who lived a couple hours away. And so it really gave me a perspective that there was a possibility for more and started to execute something in me that I knew that I was going to drive towards. Wonderful. Um I know you also dreamt of something at that age when you were eight. Can you tell the listeners what that is? I think that's going to make it very interesting for people to hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so silly. But along with those cashmere suits and silk and fancy shoes, the owner of this luxury store had an emerald green Jaguar XJ6. And um, the, the luxury store was actually in a local mall. And so as you can imagine, you know, we, we, my mom would park and we would walk in mm-hmm. and his car was always right there at the front. And I just remembered being enamored by this car. And I thought, this is not the kind of car we were driving. We were driving a used car and there was times it would break down on the side of the road and we'd have to figure out what to do. And I was just like, wow, not only these people dress really nice and have this incredible life, but they have this beautiful car. And for some reason, that just resonated with me. And that became really my motivation, one of my motivations to really look for success and, and push towards that. 
Oh, who wouldn't want a Jaguar? I don't blame you there at all. Um, so for someone to be successful in whatever they do or envision, is a growth mindset enough? Um, I don't think so. I've spent a lot of time, um, you know, reflecting on how I got here because, um, you know, people find it fascinating. And, and is it enough to have a growth mindset? But I think sometimes where growth mindset stops is where people think, I want this, right? I want that Jaguar. I want to have a new job. I want to have a new home. I'm going to push forward to, to the next thing. But something deep down inside of them, they actually don't believe it's possible. And I think that's where growth mindset ends and really where what I talk about is self-efficacy begins. So how significant is uh, self-efficacy? When do you think you realized you needed to have that to succeed? Yeah, of course, at eight, I did not have self-efficacy as a word. <laughs> um, but I think I was surrounded by people who told me anything was possible. Um, and I think that's the key. You know, if you look back at my my trajectory, no, I didn't have a lot. But I was surrounded by people who loved me and who believed in me and gave me the courage to go for more. So there was never a point where I stopped and thought, hmm, that car is never going to be mine. Um, nobody who lives in a trailer park um, and whose mom works part time and the car breaks down on the side of the road will ever have a Jaguar. So I'm not going to go for it. Um, and so I think it was one of those things that I just always had that belief. And as with any skill set, you know, whether it's a growth mindset or self-efficacy, it's something you have to work on over time. So during a setback, I had to stop and think, wait a second. I was actually created for more. I deserve more. And I'm not going to let anybody stand in my way because I actually think I can have that car and I think I can have the life that I wanted. So mm -hmm. really, it started out from, from an early age. But as I matured, I really learned how to refine um, my belief in myself and the self-efficacy with a lot of the principles that Professor Bandura talks about in his theory and studies. Yeah. So I guess it's very important for someone to... Um, not just envision, but again, kind of have that constantly in the back of their mind, right? Like almost like uh, that perseverance, you know, even if you are faced with hardships, you know, just to kind of keep at it and uh, keep working towards that. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and be careful of what you tell yourself, the narrative that you tell yourself. Um, we can't control the families that we were born into. Um, but we can control who we allow to speak into our lives and the friends that we surround ourselves with. And so um, as you mature and you have the opportunity to let people speak into your life, I think that you really have to change um, who you allow in. And so if you are not from a family where you've had a lot of support and encouragement, perhaps you've been a part of a family that you know talks down to you or tries to minimize your ability, um, you really have to stay the course. And so really learn and focus on what you believe your, your talents are. We all have them. Um, and focus on making those larger, really enhance those talents and really keep that positive mindset along with the perseverance, um, you know, along with the dedication and the passion that goes with it. Because what we tell ourselves plays a huge part in actually what we end up accomplishing. Oh, I can totally relate to that. Uh, my own personal health journey, you know, I've I've certainly yeah. told myself how to stay positive and 
I know that matters yeah. a lot. And uh, just to touch upon whatever you said right here, uh, yeah, it's uh, certainly important that one focuses on what what is under one's control and not just dwell on mm-hmm. the negatives. But again, what right. you said there to surround oneself with the best possible company that one can and just focus on the good things is right. very important. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. That- yeah, I think I think we allow ourselves. Um, I've talked to I mentor a lot. I love mentoring um, individuals and they'll tell me about their background. Well, my dad said, you know, my dad used to tell me I was stupid or my dad used to tell me, oh, you're just a girl. You'll never do much, you know, and then that carries with them all throughout their life. Um, you know, they'll say, oh, well, whenever I get together with my family, I'm always the one that they kind of, you know, tease and pick on. And I'm like, but you know, you're you're in your 30s and 40s. You don't have to go anymore. You don't have to be a part of that those fab you know family gatherings if that's the way that you're taught to. And so mm-hmm. I think that you know even um, you know kind of flipping that if if our listeners here have a family themselves, really being mindful of the words that they speak into their own children or their own family members, um, realizing the impact that words have on each other. Oh, absolutely. Um, so. As a successful business person yourself now, what in your view are some of the secrets for businesses to scale? Yeah, uh, I love this question. I think so often people believe that scalability and profit are the same thing. And so I always try to break those down and make sure that they understand that profitability comes first. And you really have to start with what your margins are. So often business owners um, pour everything into the business and then they get frustrated because they started the business because they wanted to make money. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll pay themselves a small salary, but there's nothing left or it's actually you know, in, in the red and they can't figure out how they can make money. And so I always coach young business leaders to start with that top line revenue. And from there, let me know what you want to take out of the business. Now, it may be too much, right? But we can scale that back. So if you say, hey, I'd love to be able to take out 2 or 3% of the business, then let's put that in there first and then let's build all the expenses off of that. Once you know what your margins are, where your revenue is and what you can actually bring home as the business owner, then look at how you're going to grow. And that's where the scalability comes in because then you want to really track your revenue growth and then the infrastructure of the business and the scalability of that to take you really where you want to go in the future. So it's almost like take measured steps and again, do what's under your control, you know, like always dream big, but it's just be practical as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of, especially solopreneurs, I find out that they don't dream big enough. Um, You know, they don't have, again, it goes back to that confidence. (laughs) They don't have the confidence to think Uh that they can, that their business and that their journey that they can accomplish more. And so really, like you said, it's just having the intentionality in your business. Um, And I'm a numbers girl. So I think that data speaks volumes. And if your business has been, um, if you have been in business more than 12 months, you're already starting to tell a story with that data and those metrics. And based off of that, you can start telling the story behind, um, you know, the scalability and the profitability of it. Oh, data visualization is so important these days. So, you know, I yes, <laughs> I, I can I can certainly uh, take that input in in like uh, in like a very very uh, good and positive way. Certainly, uh, yeah. how does building a community 
help grow a business. I think for all these small businesses and all these people, especially in the context of 2020, uh, how does all of this come into the picture? Yeah, um, people really want to buy from a brand that they know and that they trust. And so I think that we have a really unique opportunity to build a community around the brand. And that means if you have key leaders in your business that have an interesting story to tell, use them because, again, people want to connect with people. It's really hard to connect with a business or a business name. It feels cold. And so the more that you can help tell a story, whether that's through client stories, your product story, the the stories of the team members who work there, we just want to connect And so all of a sudden we start to connect with that brand and that organization on a different level. Um, And people want to belong. We were created to belong to each other. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, So in this high stakes, high pressure work scenario that we all find ourselves in, Mm -hmm. Lisa, how do you achieve that most important work-life balance, so to speak? (laughs) <laughs> I don't think there is such a thing as work-life balance. I like to call <laughs> I think it's more of an integration than anything. Um, and I think it goes back to intentionality. Um, I feel like I use that word a lot when I talk to folks, but um, everything I've been able to accomplish, um, this, the professional success and the personal success is because I lay everything out in a roadmap. And so the same thing with work and life. Um, I wouldn't consider myself successful if I didn't have a great family behind me. Um, one of the reasons I mentioned, you know, being married for 25 years in my TED Talk was because I'm really proud of that. I'm proud that, you know, um, not only have I been 20, married 25 years, but I still adore my husband and we've got a great relationship. But that only happens because I put the same amount of priority into my family life that I do my professional life. Now, Oh, for sure. It, yeah. And it's not always an equal season, right? There are seasons where it's all work. And my family just knows that. And there's seasons where work is a little less and I can focus more on my family. Um, But I think there's ebbs and flows. And I think it's bringing your family along in the journey. So if you're a business owner, letting your your family know what you're trying to create and involving them in some way. If you're a business leader or if you're growing your professional career, um, spending time with your spouse to let them know what your goals are, finding out what their goals are, and really setting clear boundaries. Um, One of the things I love, um, when my children were little, um, as a working mom, there's always plenty of activities for us to attend. Mm -hmm. The the cookie bake at school, and they want you to come in and read and all the, and I felt, you know, I did not work for a season of time when they were smaller. And so I kind of felt this burden that I needed to be a part of everything. And finally, when they got into later elementary school, I started asking them the question, Hey, mommy got an invitation to the Christmas party. Is it important that I'm there? And then I started to give them permission and really understand what they found was valuable. And what I learned was some of the things that I felt guilt over because maybe I was in a meeting and couldn't attend that they actually didn't care if I attended or not. And so with with those conversations and communications and in the intentionality, I think you can integrate it well. So it's almost like you communicate uh, well enough with your family that, you know, then everyone starts to prioritize. And as kids, they get to kind of pick and choose. Say it's almost like, a, okay, three times in the year, mommy can attend this or dad can do this, you know. So how is it that one balances it all? And I think they... At that point, I think you're saying they start to learn what's important Mm -hmm. as well, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it starts to help them understand who they are. Um, there's a there's a great book. Um, there's actually two versions of it. There's one called The Five Love Languages. And then for the professional world, uh, there's one that says Languages of, of Appreciation. And we've really been able to tap into that as a family and as an organization. And so we now have a vernacular to use that I know that my son's preferred love language, like how he likes to receive love is, is quality time. Mm-hmm. So I may, my, my love language may be gifts, right? So what we tend to do is we tend to give the same way that we like to be seen, uh, receive love. We like to show love. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if I had not had that conversation with him, I could lavish him with gifts. And the whole time, all he wants to do is spend time with me on the couch, watching a movie or going out to lunch. And so I'm um, realizing that our kids at a very young age start to know what's important to them. We just need to stop and ask. And the same for your spouse, too. Um, we kind of look over that sometimes because we think they're adults and they're just going to tell us, but you have to open up the dialogue to, to have meaningful relationships. Oh, that's a very good insight, Lisa. Thank you for that. So how is it that one can choose, um, having done all this, you know, you navigate your everyday lifestyle, whatnot, but when you focus back on work, how is it that one can choose the right marketing factors for business? And I know you are COO and CFO of Belay Solutions. So what is the role um, of Belay Solutions in today's business world? And how do you all uh, suggest one chooses the right marketing factors for business? Yeah, I, you know, gosh, with, with the, the climate of business landscape right now um, with what is happening in the world. I think everybody is looking for digital solutions. I think even we are seeing restaurants who are leveraging digital solutions for delivery and for pickup options, for showing their menus, the QR codes when you sit down, if you've been to a restaurant lately. And so um, I I think it's really focusing on um, digital marketing. I, I don't think I can say that enough. Not that print is ever going to go away, not that billboards are or radio ads, but I think that the more that you can advertise on platforms like podcasts and social media and search engines and other things like that, I think that it really helps elevate your business. But understand, you know, do an avatar, understand who your your ideal client is and who where they like to shop, what where do they spend their leisure time. And start focusing on there. I think so often we look when you're starting your business, you look at your competitors or perhaps you look at other business owners and you think that their model is going to fit yours. Oh, well, I saw, you know, maybe you're a restaurant. You say, well, I saw the dry cleaner down the street. They put out, you know, sandwich boards in front, um, you know, where the, the shopping mall is. Maybe I should do that, too. But it's not a one size fits all. And I think that it's a, a genesis that evolves over time. You just have to be willing to pivot and understand where your clientele is and go after them that way. But yeah, digital marketing, hands down. I, I think you can't miss that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know you said you were very much a data driven person. And uh, yeah, I think can't emphasize enough the importance of digitization and all the data that one gets to see in digital marketing as well. So as a takeaway for listeners from this show, what is your advice to youth looking to build a career or for any young entrepreneur or anyone looking to succeed? 
Yeah, uh, I love this question because I think it's so simple. Um, it's one of those things that I like to tell um, young people, especially those in high school, because I think high school is the opportunity where you start to understand yourself. Um, you got your study habits. You're starting to think about your career. And I love to tell folks it's three simple things. You need to show up on time. <laughs> you need to dress the part. Uh-huh. And you need to and you need to do what's asked of you. And and they're so simple, right? Because you think, okay, well, why? But the majority of the people that are workers don't do those three things, or they do two of the three and not all the three. But as an employer and as a leader, the thing that I want most of my employees is to show up on time, to look the part and do what's asked of them. And then from there, once you have that foundation, then you start to become really an asset to the business. And then that's when they start to look at other ways to plug you in. For me and my journey, I always wanted to make sure that I found a way to become indispensable. So that's when I started to suggest, hey, let me take on this project or have you thought about doing this way? I wasn't afraid to give solutions. A lot of times what happens is employees give problems. They come, they have a negative attitude. They maybe don't want to be there. It's just a job. They're not seeing it as a career. So they're going to sit there and complain. Well, imagine if you're a business owner listening to this and you had an employee who came to you and who was excited about your business and said, hey, I was thinking last night when I was in the shower or over dinner, and have we thought about doing this marketing strategy? Or I'd love to do this with our clients instead. Boy, there's not a leader out there who would not be thrilled to hear that from an employee. And then that's when you start to have opportunities for growth. Um, but, you know, with the right principles and the right plan, there's nothing that says that you can't accomplish your dreams. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, two things that have absolutely stood out for me uh, based on your success stories, whatever you said, intentionality, and then making yourself indispensable and putting that extra effort and working hard. That's tremendous. And I think those are like, very useful insights for the younger generation. And uh, as a culminating uh, uh, fun aspect of this podcast, uh, why don't you tell the listeners, Lisa, as to what happened in 2015, you know, with that Jaguar? (laughs) Yes, yes. I love to share that. So that that first Jaguar that I saw that um, XJ6, you know, um, and that kind of stayed with me all through this. As soon as I had the opportunity in 2015, I went to the Jaguar dealer. Now they don't make the XJ6 anymore, um, but they do make another beautiful version. And so um, I was able to get a dark blue, beautiful Jaguar. And it was really quite an emotional journey for me. I actually remember sitting in the car on the way, driving at home. I was by myself. My husband, you know, drove me there to pick it up. And I cried on the way home because this is what, um, you know, the world would say that someone like me wouldn't be able to accomplish. And so it was a beautiful story. My story continues. um, And it's an incredible car. So if you ever have the opportunity to take a a ride in one, it's got more power than you can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and the luxuries inside of it are, are phenomenal. So definitely recommend it. Oh, wonderful. And I'm waiting for the day that I can take a ride with you in that car, Lisa. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, a phenomenal story. I think uh, that that definitely is something very inspiring and for every youngster or 
for anyone listening for that matter that's that's a huge thing you know to just uh, dream about something but then work hard to achieve it that was a great honor and immense pleasure to have Elsie on the show today look forward to many more in- interesting conversations in the future with yeah. you lisa and uh, happy holidays wishing you and your family the very best always well thank you so much this was a pleasure and please invite me back anytime oh definitely thank you <laughs> thank you before i sign off folks let me remind you to keep that feedback coming and the social media follow is at fresh leave forever on instagram at fresh leave forever one on twitter the facebook page is fresh leave forever and as always i'm just thrilled to see you give me a rating of on the podcast and uh, be sure to follow and subscribe i'll be back again with another interesting guest and an interesting topic next week see you then <music>